It's bad ink, Jam, but not as we know it. This is bad. Cast brought to you by BoogieBashing.net. This is Big, looking at next week's opportunities and the last week's worth of profits. This is Bashcast episode number 145. Did you get him? It is 19 minutes past four on Thursday, the 29th of August 2019. Coming up in tonight's Bashcast, uh, the golf season wraps up. With the Tour Championship, we have a look at that. Um, Moplay have got some um, interesting enhancements on their site. We look at the year's Double Delight Hattrick Heaven results so far, as well as a handful of virtual bets. Um, Changes to Bet365's early payout offers. And uh, a Horse Racing Monday in July where we, uh, we seem to have everything come in all on the same afternoon after the break. Phil Ivey update uh, from his um, from his edge-sorting escapades. Pokestars put an end to multi-tabling after 20 years and uh, Australian sign-up bonuses and casinos are discussed. All that and more coming up in tonight's Bashcast. Two bashcasts in two weeks. There's no suspending Parliament at Bookie Bashing Towers, that's for sure. Although, fair enough, actually, I did just have a weekend off. <laughs> Went to um, a local music festival called Camper Calling in Worcestershire uh, with my three-year-old. Always fun going to music festivals with a three-year-old. I think the days of glow sticks and 10 a.m. finishes are slightly behind me now. But this was a good, clean family festival. I think I always feel guilty taking a little bit of time off the site. But, um, you know, if I work 365 days a year, like my dad always did, or my sisters currently do, I'm just going to burn out. And um, we've got the community aspect, we've got the bots, we've got all the other tools, and Duncan and Leah are always around as well anyway. So um, there's definitely benefit in recharging the batteries every now and again. This was fun. So this is only a local festival, just down the road from where we live. But even so, I got there. It's not the most expensive festival in the world. Like, what's Glastonbury these days? 250 quid to go to? That's extreme. This is like the same amount of time and it was only £100. But I get there on the Friday afternoon. I picked my daughter up from, um, from nursery with Loose Cannon in the car as well, who came along with us, helped me out. And we get there, and I realise I don't have my ticket to get in, or I don't have the wristbandy thing to get in. And it is exactly 4.55pm 
um, on Friday afternoon. Um, and York is finishing for the day. And I've had a sort of up and down York. I've, I, I started off with a big losing run, then recovered it on the Friday. And in this last race at the 450, I'm now talking to the lady as this is happening. So I'm not aware, but I'm on Pogo at 12 to 1. I think I've got 50 pounds or 60 pounds on Pogo at 12 to 1. And I've got 50 pounds on um, Vitra Light at 11 to 1. Um, uh, and both of those, well, Pogo won. And Vitralight came second. And I think that was £850 or something like that for the first two. I wasn't on the forecast, unfortunately. But I was on first and second. Uh, the forecast would have been nice, incidentally. What would that have been? About 130 odd to one, something like that. Don't need to have too many of those to be showing profit in the long run. Well, you have to have one every 130, approximately, the maths would suggest. Anyway, so I'm, I'm not following the race. Anil is... In the back seat. And as I'm saying to this woman, you know, I've, I, 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 here's the receipt for the festival. I mean, I've obviously been issued a uh, wristband. I just have forgotten to bring it with me. I find out the outcome of this race. And all of a sudden, the frustration of buying a wristband for £100 and then somehow losing it and then hearing I've got to replace it and then hearing the result of that horse race... It became a little bit of an easier decision. <laughs> I don't. It's funny how it works like that. All of a sudden, you know what I mean. Like you win, you know, it wasn't quite, but pretty much four figures. Five seconds before you hear that, you're frustrated that you've you've lost a wristband worth a hundred pounds, and then you hear the result of the horse race, and you're like, whatever, just issue me a new ticket. I'll pay for a new one. <laughs> Even it's technically just all EV. And I didn't, I didn't, I certainly didn't have £850 worth of EV in that race. But um, those worries went away. Um, happened to be the hottest festival I think I've ever been to in my entire life. So I didn't drink. I did, well, no, I had a cider on Sunday afternoon, which 48 hours after first entering the festival. It's probably a record for me for not having a drink at one of these things. I think grand total of alcoholic drinks consumed was two. One cider and one rum. Over the entire weekend. But it was good enough. We had um, the Skunk and Nancy, who off of the 90s, who I remember loving. A little bit too much for the very small kids. I think all the lights went up in red and neon and white and scared the children a little bit. Um, and just other sort of, you know, run-of-the-mill mainstream acts, which were fine. We had um, the feeling there. So they, they're like that pop act from 10 years ago. Well, not pop, but indie pop. And um, they they have a song about rosé, the the wine, rosy, as opposed to cider with rosy. And um, we were monitoring the tour championship, the last golfing event on the PGA calendar for 2018-19. It feels weird still being in the 2018-19 schedule, but traditionally the last event of the calendar is the is the Tour Championship. And we had big money on Rory McIlroy, amongst other golfers. Who was on the tracker last week? You see, I tend to get on the not just the ones that I put on the recommendation. 
excuse me whilst you hear a lot of clicking now there's no other way of doing this because i've got a different mouse on um so not only just the ones i've put on the tracker but also a collection of you know guys from the following day I also tend to get more on at Betfred because you can go to Betfred shops and you can get higher limits than you can online. You know, I put on a lot of... If I pop like a Skybet golfer, I don't have that high... Li I don't have high enough limits to get stakes on that I want at Skybet, which means that I might put up some bets on the, the recommendation. I hope you've got a Skybet or whoever's reading has got a Skybet, but I, I can't get enough on there. So what I'll do is I'll top up a... Um, Betfred with the Scandinavian Invitational. Um, she won Kim, went birdie, 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 birdie in the last four holes to place in fifth position. Okay, it was dead heat. There's five people in um, five people in fifth, but with seven paid places at Betfair Sportsbook, that's uh, forty percent place dead heat he was 175 to 1 what a finish that was birdie 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 just to claw back something i think it was still a loss albeit just a very marginal loss on the scandinavian invitational and on the tour championship um paul casey well it was a weird one because i think there was inclement weather on the the day three and the very top of the field um had to wait until day day four to complete their day threes now everyone that went out on day three posted really bad scores and that that created this chasm this gulf between the top six five or five golfers i think and the remainder of the field and uh, paul casey had managed to sneak into the top five and he was 80 to one pre-tournament um he wasn't on the recommended bet but he was value on the wednesday the day after i put the recommended bets up so um i was big on casey i was definitely big on rory mcelroy um at not first of all nine to one at spread x I'm, I'm gonna put my hands up here i wasn't on him at spread x oh sorry it was 888 sport i wasn't on him at 888 sport i was on him at betfred at eight to one which is a whole digit lower um, because, you know, Betfred shop's so much easier to get these stakes down. So we were really big, really big on Rory McIlroy. And 80% um, of us were at this festival, which was quite good fun. And so the feeling were playing this song, Rosé, in the sun. And it was just extremely easy to replace the word rosé with rory and link arms and see him go two shots clear in the tour invitational for probably my biggest profit golf bet so far um definitely since the tracker was going which is a little bit like a bit annoying that i didn't uh, have higher stakes on the recommended bets but those recommended bets I have an equation which bases the um, stake, the staking on the EV that is available. Well, we've changed the way that we calculate the EV. We're trying to streamline everything, okay? So if you look at the, the bets tracker, you'll see that you know EV is measured on expected values. You return on your investment. If you put £100 down on a bet that's 110% EV, over the long run, you're going to get £110 back every single time. Um, however, we for the first 15 weeks of the golf tracker, we calculated EV slightly differently. So EV is the implied odds divided by the fair odds. Uh, the implied odds are often the back odds, but not in the case of the EV tracker. The implied odds, because the value comes from the place, we um, 
based our model on the determination of the value offered by those additional places. So to determine the benefit of the additional places, we assumed that the win in the top five are hedged, irrespective of whether our intention is to value bet or to hedge. And by hedging the bet, we will have a qualifying loss. And that qualifying loss, um, when taken relative to how much we could win, the return amount, that's the implied odds. So we were assuming that we were hedging, even though we weren't, simply to come up with an indicator to find a way of determining the benefit of the extra places. This is our way of figuring out how we can you know, compare five places, one to four to six places, one to five to eight places, one to five kind of thing, right? Um, so the qualifying loss is just, you know, the stake times the win and the stake times the place minus the liability of the win in the top five where you to hedge that. So that's quite easy. And fair odds is just an estimation of the probability of the golfer finishing in, you know, sixth place, seventh place or eighth place, which we've discussed before. So that was the EV calculation that we were using, but it was using this assumption that we were hedging when we weren't. And that meant that we were getting extreme returns for very small amounts staked. And when you're value betting, that's not what you're doing. So we did change the calculation to, and we're going to do this with all calculations of EV so you simply know what your long-term expected return on just value betting is. I should have as a result of that changed the staking equation in the Scandinavian invitation on the tour championship. I didn't so we had 23 pounds on Rory McIlroy at 9 to 1 at 888 sport that only returned 248 pound profit if you had a thousand pound bankroll at the beginning of this you know, double that if you've got a £2,000 bankroll, half it if you've got a £500 bankroll. We should have probably, well, no, we should have definitely staked more. And I'm going to change that equation moving forward. But regardless, it's just another winner, which I'm very happy about, on the tracker. And um, we were singing our praises, or Rory's praises, at the music festival on the weekend. So there's a little break in the PGA calendar now. Um, the next tournament is the Military Tribute at the Greenbrier. It's such a weird name. When is that? Um, which is in a couple of weeks. It sort of allows everyone to go home, all the golfers who are just on tour all the time, spend some time. And I think you find that during September, you don't get a lot of the big European and international names. The PGA Tour is really just full of um, American names and people that don't want to go home if you know what I mean so it's going to be a couple of weeks of the European tour before then um this week we have the Omega European Masters again this was a case of um on the Wednesday Matthias Schwab was really big EV but I put the bet recommended bets up on the Tuesday so he didn't make it onto my list on the Tuesday and he went seven under par this morning to be out-and-out out leader after 18 holes. I see, actually, he's now just been joined by Mike Lorenzo Vera, who is often good value on the tracker as well. Um, of the recommended bets, Thomas Detry is five under after 15 holes, so he's just a couple off the lead. We recommended getting on him at 66 to 1. So... Definitely some positivity. In terms of my 
focus moving forward. I mean, look, the site will always be what the site is. It's got the online bets tracker. We've got the shop coupons, which I really focused hard on last season. Didn't quite make the 100,000 that I wanted to make, but not far off. Uh, we've got the racing tracker, early payouts. But um, my personal focus, I'm really going to be going hard in golf, I think. I think I'm going to be sort, sort of trying to build up to where my stakes are quite uncomfortable. That's when I know I'm having fun. Because <laughs> I want to be, you know, one of the premium, premier golf syndicates out there. We've got the intelligence, we've got the bankroll, we've got the know-how, so it's a question of just getting out there and doing it, you know? It should only be 10 to 20 golf bets a week, so logistically, that isn't the toughest thing to get done in the entire world. And that should free up enough time to focus on all the other fun parts of life. So we'll track how that goes over the next year. Two bookmakers have been relegated out of uh, my daily review list. These are Grovesner, um, which is a bit annoying because it was the bot that was doing all the hard work at Grovesner. So it wasn't even me doing anything. But they have just decided they're not going to do any more enhanced accumulators at least they haven't done since i don't know july june may something like that and leo vegas who have stopped their um specials as well both part of the 888 group um so step forward moplay under moplay specials upgrades the problem with this is there's so many but quite a few of them are decent it's just a question of uh, i don't know how to go through these i don't have time to do it even with relegating um relegating the two bookmakers out. I don't quite have the time to go through every single one of these. I think a case of, if I've already worked something out, I might look at it. They seem to cover everything. So in the, that's the Europa qualifiers tonight, they've got over 24 goals to be scored across the 7 or 6 p.m. kickoffs. Very similar to William Hill's daily offer bet that uh, 10 to back 11 would be fair odds. So no, not everything's plus EV. They did earlier have a goal in the first half of, I think it was the Wolves-Torino match this evening at 7 to 1, which is ridiculous because it should be about 1.6 something like that so there are, there wasn't a market on the exchange but you just know i mean you just know intuitively that that's the wrong price so would they go with the palpit i don't know i've got no experience of mo play would they do a coral and only palpit if it wins and keep the money if it loses possibly um would they do a bet safe and pay out even though it's the wrong Price, I don't know. Could be any of those options. What do I recommend we do if we see one of those? Well, I'm going to bet on it. That's what I recommend I do. There's a risk that... There's the risk of the Coral model of only palping the losers, in which case I lose, you know, I can't win. So I'm only palping the winners, so I can't win under that circumstance. But it's probably a risk I would be willing to take. They've got Celtic to win, and both teams just go in the first half, which is 14 to back and 13.97, which is kind of ridiculously thin. And then a bunch of T20, Super League, Spanish La Liga, trebles in French League One. They've got more sort of boosts here from whichever provider that they get them from. It's like they've turned to the provider. The provider's gone, which boosts do you want? And they've just got all of them. And so they've stuck them all on the site, which means that... 
we can use latency or just wrong lines to pick cherry pick some good ones off. I just need to figure out a way of doing it because they're, they're mostly complex. Well, not complex, but they just take time, most of the calculations. So where's that time going to come from? We'll see. Um, there's been a few, two nights in a row, we've had DDHH opportunities in the EFL Cup. The first one was West Ham versus... Newport? Yeah, Newport. What was that last? And then the second was Everton versus Lincoln. Now swap around those two oppositions and we'll have the right matches. So um, there were sort of new strikers starting in focal positions in both games. Um, so they look like decent propositions with the Premiership teams versus the lower leagues. Neither of them scored, but that's okay. It's a long-term game. I did go through Double Delight Hattrick Heaven for 2019 because I wondered. Because someone asked me, someone PM'd me and they said, these never seem to win. I said, well, you don't get that many winners over a season, but it's one of those things that you don't need many winners. So, you know, with the concession of doubling and tripling the odds, especially. But I was interested in how we were doing. I hadn't realised that we were on a long losing run and not making any money out off of these. Um, this guy had missed Nikotea and Obemiang and, Har and Harrison, all of whom came in in the same 10-day period. And then when I look at how the year has progressed, that 10-day period, I counted for about near uh, about 30% of the year's profits. So I guess if you did miss that 10-day period, then... Life does suck in the DDHH world. And we've got no official way of putting them on the site, but I might change that moving forward. Um, it's just tricky. You see, you can suggest that price might be good in the morning, and then Team News changes everything, and then you have cuts and different prices online. And So looking at the year in summary, um, we have recommended on the site, and this is us, not users so users have recommended more you know i was away on the weekend when aguero um was both value and got his double delight uh, but i haven't included that because neither me duncan nor lee um publicized that bet so we have publicized 49 bets in 2019 of those 49 bets one two three four five six seven Eight of them have scored first, so eight of 49, which is probably a little bit lower than I would have expected, but I haven't actually crunched those maths on what the expect expected return, but it's a small sample size anyway. Um, two and three of those were in a 10-day period at uh, the beginning of August, between August the 6th, Ellis Harrison, and August the 16th. Nicotea. So genuinely, if you were on holiday for those 10 days, it starts to make more sense to me why you're saying, you know, these never win. They don't come in um, because, yeah. But look, 48, we could have lost all 48. That would have been unlucky, but it wouldn't have been out of the realm of statistical deviation. We started the, well, the first win of the year anyway was um, Aguero. Who else would it be? Uh, who got his hat-trick heaven? on um the second of on the second of February. Um and then six days later Billy Sharp got his hat trick heaven. 
So Aguero, you were getting 11 to 4, which would have been, I don't know what 11 to 4 is on the hat trick heaven, 11 to 1.333. Uh, Billy Sharp, a lot easier. He was 4 to 1 uh, for FGS, so that would have been 12 to 1. 12 to 1 is a nice enough price. Then we had to wait until a month, uh, the 12th of March, and Ronaldo for Juventus in the Champions League. Also got his hat trick heaven. That price was only nine to four, but that would have been that would have been boosted to nine divided by one point three three, whatever that is. Um, and then another month has to go by. And by the way, those f- first three that came in were hat trick heaven, hat trick heaven, hat trick heaven. So we get to Messi. Surely we're just going to hit an FGS. You know, we hit, we didn't once hit an FGS that wasn't a, that was just the sole FGS or even a double delight. They were all hat trick heavens. So then we get to the. 16th of April 2019, we're on Messi, 2 to 1. What happens? Hattrick Heaven gets paid at 6 to 1. That's the first four of the year. I hadn't realised that, and they were all Hattrick Heaven. And then after the 18th of April, we did have to wait all the way to August. And we had, you know, a few bets over the summer Adam Rooney here, Abraham there. None of them came in. And now I can see, actually, you missed this 10 day period. You haven't had a winner since. Um, since April, not the one that we've posted anyway. I hope some. I didn't actually look on Sunday if someone posted Aguero Buya, that would have been great. I think he was eleven to four, came into four point five. That's the boundary of value, but definitely for interest, I would have been on, but I wasn't. So congratulations if you were. But interestingly, if you apply a bankroll management where you're trying to win a £1,000 on each of these bets. That's for the first goal scorer only, not including any of the concessions. So it'd be 2000 for uh, Double Delight, 3000 for Hattrick Heaven. You would have just short of £7,000 just now, £6,795 after those 48 bets. Really long-term game. It's always the way with, you know, you make the right decisions in these, but then you're getting on one a night or even one every few nights or even one a week sometimes we are. And it's weird. It's like in poker. If you make the right decision and you're a 60-40 favourite, then you can go on losing runs of 5, 10, 15, but it doesn't matter because you're being dealt hand after hand after hand. It feels so much more painful when you're doing one better night or even one better week. That it like like it's the same statistical deviation, but mentally, you know, you lose for five, ten weeks in a row, and all of a sudden you start to be like, your memory plays tricks with you. I don't remember ever winning. So like, this is not a long-term sustainable strategy. Well, the fact is, it just happens to be one of those things that, you know, takes time to get enough bets on. <laughs> 14 up on the NFL at Bet365 changes to 17 up. Along with them changing the um, odds that you can take on football where they now offer their own lines for two up. The early payout last season on NFL was if your team went 14 points, which is um, two scoring plays, um, if they went 14 up. You're paid out, even if the other team comes back and wins. So there's an advantage play strategy there um, to back and lay, and you get larger stakes down than ordinary. You can value bet. It is sort of the same EV value betting. The benefit in laying really is on getting larger stakes down than you ordinarily would. 
Um, it's one of the few times where I can see definitely see, you know, hedging is usually for gardeners in value betting. The early payouts are slightly different in the ability that they provide for people with smaller bankrolls to get larger stakes down. Um, so the change from 14 points to 17 points is very significant. I have to confess, I was in the middle of working out the numbers historically and then I saw somebody else on another forum post them. I'm not going to regurgitate somebody else's work. Neither did I continue with my own because I trusted that they were right. What I can say is that um, the 14-up last season was more a more frequent trigger, quite significantly more frequent trigger than 2-up in football. Um, teams certainly are capable of... Um, getting a touchdown and converting it and then the defense coming on and requiring the opposition to punt and then scoring again on their second possession of play that that is something that happens whether it's turned over or not um that 14 point win that is not out of the realms of inconceivability the difference between that and 17 points is really big and these early payout offers are becoming harder to get on as time goes by. We now have 20 up in women's basketball now in the World Cup. So if your team goes 20 points up and that um, that lead is overhauled, you'll be paid out on the team that didn't win. The only issue I have with this if, is if you have... A Bet365 account that can withstand staking large sums of money on women's basketball, then I want to know what it is that you're doing so that I can copy that. Because if I was William Hill and all of a sudden I'm seeing 200, 300, 400, 500 pound stakes on women's basketball when they happened to have started doing this early payout on the women's basketball. I just don't think it's that much of a stretch of the imagination, a leap to figure out what it is that the guy is doing. Tell me I'm wrong, but I would be petrified to be doing this. I'm not saying it's not a plus EV play. I'm not saying if you have a merry-go-round of Bet365 accounts and no fear, you shouldn't be doing it. I'm just saying I wouldn't be doing it, but good luck if you are. Um, last week, incidentally, I forgot to talk about what ended up being the Monday of the summer for me. It sort of saved the summer in terms of profit. Um, this was a random Monday uh, at the end of July. It was Monday the, as I look back in my notes, Monday the 29th of July. Mondays are a day that I have off. I tend to put up a few things on the site and then go and spend the day with my kids and my friends. Um, so you don't see a lot from me on a Monday. It's my recharged batteries day. I did put up on the site Murphy. Oisin Murphy. Is it Oisin? Oisin Murphy to get three winners or more at Foss Last, which is 5.5 to back 4.8. Eight would have been fair odds at William Hill. D'Souza and Doyle at Skybet, get this, to have exactly four winners at Windsor, which was 75 to 1 to back, 
and 50 to lay. And D'Souza and Doyle to have three plus out, uh, winners at Windsor, which ties in with the exactly four. Again, at Sky, eight to one to back, 7.5 to lay. Now, if you're stake managing your bets at 75 to one under bankroll management and optimal stake, uh, Kelly staking, well, you're a better man than me. <laughs> but I see these odds up at 75 to 1 and triple figures. Don't bet on a lot of them. But I definitely break my optimal staking for a bit of fun. There was always this thing in poker that, you know, you should play sit and goes and you should not ever buy in for less than one one hundredth of your bankroll. But then every now and again, I would buy in for one tenth of my bankroll because I had to keep it interesting, right? And I think it's kind of the same at 75 to 1 and 100 to 1. So I had a bit more money than I should ordinarily have on at 75 to 1. And D'Souza and Doyle had exactly four winners that Monday. And that brought in mid four figure profit for me on Super Monday at Windsor. And just for the icing on the cake, Oisin Murphy had three plus winners at Fosslass as well, and the 92 came in at William Hill. Um, it was one of those days that I don't have to have them very often, and it was quite pleasant because I, it was a day off and I was off doing my other thing. And so those, um, those Sky and William Hill jockeys to win a certain number of races or more in a day are certainly a profitable and fun proposition. Okay, that's enough for the first half. Uh, you guys, you are listening to the Bashcast, and it's brought to you by BuckyBashing.net. I hope you're feeling happy now. I see you feel the pain at all it seems. I wonder what you're doing now. I wonder if you think of me at all. Do you still play the same?
Hedonism from Skunk and Nancy. And the album Stoosh, 1996. There you go, a rare oldie on the Bash cast celebrating the festival I was at over the weekend in the bookie bashing news we have spoken about ed phil ivy's edge sorting case um against borgata and other casinos um in previous podcasts a 20 second summary is that he uh, used a technique called edge sorting where you can identify patterns on the back of the card to figure out what the value of the front of the card is and by knowing the value of the front of the card took um casinos from millions and tens of millions of dollars playing baccarat so um the last we heard that the borgata had um, made a judgment where they were claiming 10 11 million dollars of Phil Ivy's money and Phil Ivy rather sensibly probably has siphoned off all of his money into bitcoin in singapore or something like that i would imagine where he has no assets in the united states to pay the bargata so it was quite a surprise this year to see Phil Ivy playing the world series of poker so I want to tie this in with a William Hill shop offer that was on last night. It's now Friday morning. I did the first half of the bash cast yesterday and then just got tired. So I didn't do the second half because it would have sounded a little bit like this. And I would have been, I just don't like, I just didn't have the energy. I was low on energy last night. So instead of recording the bash cast and making it sound horrible, I got an early one. Now I'm doing it in the morning. So today's great sports offer nine. Listen to this. A corner taken in each 15-minute segment, a goal in each half and a card in each half in AIK versus Celtic, 15-2. to Slight issue I have with these 15-minute segment games is a corner every 15 minutes. I don't have precise numbers on them, right? So you could take corners by half and divide by three. It doesn't quite work like that, though, right? If you want to know how many corners are in a half you can get those lines from the spreads if you want to know how many corners are in a third of a half you cannot quite divide that line by three because corners come in clusters so i want to know how many times a corners every 15 minutes of the match i have a feeling it's somewhere around about six to one on average something like that maybe five to one uh, we've approached a couple of people. We're seeing if we can get some stats. We need a lot of stats, thousands of games. And if we can get those, that'd be useful. Somebody on the forum did suggest that they'd scraped the BBC website and just picked it up from there, which is very clever. It's not something we've done yet. So anyway, this bet, when you throw in a goal in each half, which is average about 1.8, and a card in each half depend can, can vary wildly. But in the second leg of a qualifier in Europe, that was like 1.2. This should be something like 8.5, 12, 13, 14. So not necessarily interesting. But you could bet until 7 p.m. And the game started at 6 p.m. So the again, the bet is a corner taken in each 15-minute segment, a goal in each half, and a card in each half. So if you can bet until half time, you already know the result of the first half. And if the first half comes in, the second half, I estimated at about 3.5 to 4. And you're getting 8.5, 15 to 2 from William Hill. A slightly 
bigger problem is that they probably didn't mean that you can bet until 7pm. Some bets you can bet in play, but this bet, they never let you go and play. They probably meant you could bet until 6pm and then they just put the wrong time down. Now, in, for this type of mistake, there's no history to base what William Hill would do. Will they palp? Will they palp winners only, just like Coral? Will they palp winners and losers? Will they pay out at the advertised odds or will they pay out at lower odds? Those are all the options ahead. There's probably going to be a battle, but a few people got on that. And a few people were saying, well, is it worth it? And I cannot answer that question for you. You know, Not until we've been through this over and over again and I can sort of base the decision-making on some form. So if you're going to do it, and I did do it, you've got to do it at your own risk. Um, and taking that risk could mean that you lose your money and you don't get it. Or worst case scenario, it wins and it gets voided, which, um, but only because it won. Um, as it transpired, being completely results-orientated, it didn't come in and William Hill voided it which was very reasonable of them they only voided the in-play ones but that does mean that had it won they would have they would have voided it um as well which would have been very frustrating so we played this bet not knowing if we were ever going to get paid out if it was a winner and that ties in here with phil ivy but what's noticeable here phil ivy played the main event, and he played the $50,000 Poker Players Championship, which is the eight game. And then notably, he started acting very strange. So whilst he played the main event, he then busted Day 1C in 51 minutes, which is very Phil unlike on uh, Ivy, uh, very unlike Phil Ivy, because from memory, you start. You start the main event with 100, 200 blinds and you have 50,000 chips. It might even be 5,100 blinds. Like when I've played the main event, I always just start at the beginning of level one. I don't late entry, but I, I usually play, you know, one or two hands per hour, essentially just mucking it unless I've absolutely smashed the flop. So there's so much time in the main event. And then in the, Poker Players Championship with a couple of tables left. Phil Ivey is the near-chip leader. He's playing stud high-low against two individuals. In stud high-low, you get half the pot for the high hand, half the pot for the low hand. You have seven cards, four of which are face-up, three face-down. And so looking at the face-up cards of his opponents, he had the low locked. It wasn't mathematically possible for his opponents to have a better low than Ivy. So... Um, He's guaranteed half the pot, and he could push them off the other half of the pot. Yeah, Phil Ivey, the best poker player in the world, he mucks his hand. He folds to a bet, even though he cannot lose. Now, was this a mistake? Or was it due to the fact that um, during play of the $50,000 Pokers Championship, a writ was submitted by the Bogata to the Rio Hotel demanding that um, the Rio Ho Hotel withhold any winnings that Phil Ivey 
might make. Uh, sometime on June the 26th, or early on the June the 27th, um, a lawyer for the Borgata, Klausner, became aware that Ivy was playing in the event number 58, which is the Pokers Players Championship, and had made it into the money. So dashed off a copy of an approved Nevada writ of execution against Ivy to the Caesars-owned WSOP where Ivy was playing. The process was noted as served on the June the 27th and named Caesars Entertainment Corporation Las Vegas as the location served. Uh, the receipt shows that the accepting party was the WSOP's vice president of World Series of Poker, Jack Effel. Um... And it's in this writ. It says um, Phil Ivy owes the casino ten million one hundred thirty thousand dollars after uh, accrued interest costs and fees. And incidentally, it's only been three months. He now owes ten million three hundred forty-four thousand dollars. Imagine every few months owing another two hundred thousand dollars in interest and fees over a fine that you're not paying. That would do my head in. And so um, all of his winnings, including his buy-in was then going to be withheld by the Rio to be given to um, to be given to the Bogata. And then all of a sudden, Phil Ivey goes from chip leader to making mistakes that, you know, I, I wouldn't make or ordinary Joes wouldn't make, let alone the best poker player in the entire world. He busts the players championship in seventh position for like $120,000 instead of the 5 million or so that was up front. Um, and all of that money, including his buy-in goes to the Borgata. Um, so you could argue here that Phil Ivey knew that there was a chance, not only that he was going to bust these tournaments, but that he was going to cash in these tournaments and then the Borgata was going to come for all of the cash um, that it it claims is owed to it because um, they are able to serve writs in the state of Nevada, essentially confiscating his funds as a poker player. Now, we're talking about different scales, but when looking at this Celtic bet at halftime last night, it's sort of the same principles. There's every chance we could place this bet... And it could win and um, the money void. We're not going to have our stakes confiscated, but we could be playing Coral's game of only pout the winners. Um, and that's the risk you play. Is that an acceptable risk to everybody? I can't answer that. I can only answer that it's an acceptable risk to me. Might not be an acceptable risk to you. Um, it wouldn't be uh, an acceptable risk to my grandma or my wife. But they can make up their own minds, and you can make up your own minds. And Phil Ivey made up his own mind, and he made his mind up that um, there were going to be risks involved with playing if the Bogata was going to come chasing for the money. And I reckon now he he donked off all of his chips as a direct result of the, the Bogata finding him and issuing this writ. So, look, Phil, just pay the casino. Pay that casino its money. Pay him. Pay that man his money. We, we spoke before about Australian sign-up bonuses. The fact that the grass always seems greener, but it's not necessarily true. There's a misheld opinion by many that um, uh, you see the numbers in Australia 
um, like deposit a thousand dollars, get a two thousand dollar bonus, and so on and so forth. And you think, wow, that that's like shooting fish in a barrel. And the experience that we had when we looked at it wasn't necessarily so. For starters, um, under Australian legislation, sign-up bonuses are barred from residents of New South Wales, Victoria, Western Australia, Northern Territory, and Queensland. That's like 95% of the population. And then on top of that, racing has a... 10% uh, commission on the exchanges. Again, this is something um, that is requested through legislation. And because of the cost of licensing and uh, um, other programs out there, uh, the cost of operation is so much more. And therefore, the overrounds and the margins simply have to be more. Whereas we will see 106% on match odds, they will see 125%. What that means to the the risk-free matched better is that when they're trying to find matches for their for their sign-up bonuses, they're looking at getting you know two point five to back, three point two to lay kind of things. So it really erodes away. So you you combine all of those facts. Oh, and the fact that you can't even get a sign-up bonus in most states. There is some workaround that they do that you know you then join up not accepting a sign-up bonus because you live in New South Wales, Sydney, you can't have one. And then you're offered immediately a bonus, but there's no guarantee that you'll get that. And um, the terms of that bonus are always very difficult to drill down to. So whilst there, um, there isn't necessarily zero value, it is nowhere near what it appears when you scratch underneath the surface. So we then have had a look at a few casinos, not many, but um, we've been walking through some sign-up bonuses in the casinos to see what they've been like. So we got our hands on an Australian. He wasn't doing much. He certainly wasn't watching the recent cricket. He was just sitting by the side of the road with his billabong and his kangaroo, waiting for a lift to work one day. And we suggested to him, shall we walk through some of your casino sign-up bonuses with you and see what they're like so we've looked at 24 pokies fair go and tangiers casinos so the first thing that sticks out is there is just like the sign-up bonuses for um for sports betting there is contradictory advice the Australian government website does say currently no online casino is licensed to accept play from Australians. Casinos that allow Australians to play for real money do so in contravention of Australian law. Oh, well, that doesn't sound good. But there are plenty of casinos out there that not only accept deposits from Australians, but they actively... Um, sound like they are marketed and targeted towards Australians. 24 pokies, you know, in which other countries are, in which other country is pokies a term for slots? I don't know of many. So it seems like perhaps like the sports betting in America, you have offshore 
companies that are targeting Americans, despite the fact that Americans shouldn't be um, play uh, sports betting under American federal legislation. I, I think it is the same. I'm no lawyer, but I think it is the same legal precedence in Australia, whereas the Australian government... I've, uh, they outlawed poker a few years ago, online poker, um, like the Americans, but people still play, and I think this falls under the same kind of, you know, recording a cassette tape off the radio um, format. You know, it's breaking the law, but no one's being charged with it kind of thing. So there are deposit fees, international deposit fees, that do apply for Australian residents for uh, onto... Um, uh, what seemingly are Australian-based online casinos, which does suggest that they are all um, they are all international. In terms of the bonuses offered, twenty-four pokies. You sign up with two hundred and eighty pounds. So I'm trans- this has all been translated into GBP to make sense. Because so you sign up with two hundred and eighty pounds, you get a eight hundred and thirty-five pound bonus. Now that's very decent. The bad news is the waging requirement seems to be forty-one thousand pounds. Okay, that's about fifty times the bonus. So fifty times the bonus isn't too harsh. Unfortunately, they've cottoned on to the idea of a max spin size, and they are applying max stake size of five Aussie dollars, which I think. How much is five Aussie dollars in GBP? Five Australian dollars in pounds is about two pounds seventy six. That really sucks. That's a low, low max stake size. With that, you want to be only playing the absolute highest variance slots. Fortunately, most of them tend to have dead or alive too. I wouldn't really be interested in playing a lot of these if I was an Australian. If dead or alive two wasn't around, five. I mean, £2.76 with a £41,000 wagering requirement. No wonder that the, the these aren't, you know, officially licensed casinos because I don't think you would get away with that if they were. Um, the, at 24 pokies, the second sub is £168 for a 200% bonus. Then it's £112 for a 200% bonus. And then they had some reloads, £275, £220 for 200% bonuses as well. At fair go, it was 100% to £112, 200% to £138, 200% to £165. Again, way more than you see over here. And at Tangiers Casino, the sign-up bonus, £220 for 200%, £440 bonus. Again, with a mammoth £43,000 wagering which looks like it's about 60 times wagering requirement. But um, again, all of this with the five um, five Aussie dollar max stake, £2.76. So just like sports sign-up bonuses, what we're seeing here is the magnitude of the headline offer appears at first to be an absolute goldmine. But when you scratch under the surface just a little bit, you see that there are inherent difficulties, just as there are everywhere. And then add into the fact that there are no um, officially Australian licensed casino. Licensing um, isn't part of the federal government requirements. Um, 
means that you could be in hot water with one of these. I mean, who are you going to run and cry to if one of them withholds your money? Um, I know IBAS aren't um, the most reliable of adjudicators in the UK, but there are options, um, the least of which are the small claims courts. Can you take an online casino in Australia to the small claims court for not paying you out your money um, when they aren't officially licensed or regulated in Australia? I don't know the answer to that. But the lack of licensing and regulations and the lack of the fact of, that there is no clarity in either sign-up bonuses or licensing um, adds risk. It certainly seems like Australian um, sign-up bonuses and online casinos are going through an interim period and they're in the middle of change. And with that process of change brings with it uncertainty and risk, definitely, in partaking in any of these offers. Okay, what do we have coming up on the weekend? We have the Premiership schedule actually wraps up on the Saturday and Sunday. For once, the big game of the weekend, Newcastle face Watford on Saturday afternoon. I told you before, by the way, we beat Spurs in the weekend. Newcastle to be relegated was the worst bet, the worst value bet of the summer, and everyone jumped on it, and there was value on Newcastle coming in the top ten. Did I bet on that? No, but I think I should now. After beating Spurs 1-0, we've probably got a great chance of actually winning the Premiership this year. Um, the Saturday night game is Burnley-Liverpool. Sunday game is Everton-Wolves-Arsenal-Tottenham. We are only three weeks away from the Rugby World Cup, which starts on the 20th. I think Scotland are over in Georgia for a friendly, the first major team, um, rugby team to go and play a test in Georgia. And as a result, that's going to be feisty and possibly opposing Scotland. And I haven't looked at the odds of that. It is tomorrow. Should we just pick it up quickly? What are the odds of uh, the Georgians to beat Scotland tomorrow? There's going to be... It's going to be intense. The Georgians could definitely pull something off there. Um, I'm surprised that the markets have got the Georgians as low as 4.9. Perhaps they're thinking the same things that I am. The Georgian captain was once asked when he was facing New Zealand if he was ready for a war. And he said that they've been at war for 30 years. So um, he's used to war, which is, you know, a brave thing to say when you're, when you're facing 15 All Blacks, that's for sure. So uh, that'll be an interesting match. Listen, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it with the memories of the music festival of Skunk and Nancy and the feeling from the weekend and memories of Rory McIlroy tearing up the tour championship. Whatever it is that you're betting on this weekend, do make sure it's value. This is Tom signing out. This is big. You and John Ram tear up the front ten. Cool to the touch that back swings too much. Bunkers to your left, hazards to your right are all that I've seen. Till I realise the lead that you had Coming off the par 315 Roar
love you Especially today Chill in my veins as your two-stroke lead brigades again and again. Perfect ball control, my replenished bank roll, no loony east pain. Thank you, bed friend, for paying five places on this golf bed. So thanks for Christmas, thanks for these beers and the collapsing Thomas. Rory, I love ya, especially today. goes down Please make sure that pup goes down Cause you're leading the rest and you're much better dressed I think pink is my colour Never back into wrecker Never Oh I love ya Especially today, especially this way Rory I want ya Especially today Love you lead in the PGA. Mm.